a woman in her forties and a man in his forties, the woman will have anywhere between sort of seventeen and twenty-seven in their QE saver. A man generally will have thirty-eight and above. So we got Ilma. Hello. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Um, we know each other a little while on yes. Zoom consultations. That's and right. We're technically competitors, so. <laughs> see how they do. So if we can come together, yeah, there's hope for there's humanity. Hope, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Um, all right. Well, I think it's always a good way to start is like, what do you do? Who do you work for? What's the meaning of life? You know, just simple questions. Oh yeah, simple questions. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Let's start with the simplest one. Oh, yeah. So my name is Idma Mani, and I'm a financial advisor with National Capital. And um, the meaning of life. Now, that's that's the easiest question of them all. Mm. To be helpful, I think. Mm. To be of service. Okay. So, do you think um, humans are predestined to feel that way? I don't think that they're predestined necessarily. I think each can choose their own path. And there's different ways of being helpful, different ways that people perceive being helpful. Um, and I think that's my understanding, my the meaning of my life. <laughs> yeah. And I can't put a blanket statement for everyone else because everyone will have their own idea of it, yeah, I think. Nah, this is, you know, generally. <laughs> I've never met every person in, in the world, but they, you know, they're all the same, really. Same, same, but different. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. Well, we, we better we better talk about something meaningful because I I got I don't know about you, but Clive is um, the founder of National Capital, and he's like, hey Ryan, you know, when you I was on the podcast last time, we talked about cockroaches. We didn't get into the <laughs> finance part. So in honor of him, I'm not going to ask you any questions about finance. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta ask me questions about cockroaches. Yeah, sure. What are your thoughts? You know, you know how they got their the brain in their bum, and also that you know if there's a nuclear explosion, okay, they'll probably survive. So, what are your thoughts on cockroaches? So, does that mean that potentially instead of apes, now future humans might look at the, some kind of evolution from cockroaches? Yeah, yeah. Well, World Maybe? War Three. And post World War Three, we're going to be an apocalyptic world of hybrid cockroaches. What What do you think part would change the most? Like, do you think it'll be like, um, you know, a human head with little legs running around, or <laughs> maybe, or not even look human? Maybe I reckon we'll have like antennas as ears. Or I think our senses will be heightened in some way <laughs> so we can work and, out and go through doors yeah. yeah and and so long as they still need financial advice yeah You'll then be i'll be there national cap because national capital you know it's digital advice as well as humanized advice so maybe national capital and cockroaches are the last things that will survive and that's why clive made a cockroach game as his first ever game because he knew see it's all coming <laughs> together <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be listening to this. You fuck. Anyway, I can swear that to you. Um, so story. I think that's useful. So, you know, here you are, a chief financial advisor, solving the world's problem one call at a time. But how did it start? Where are you from? For one, I'm originally from Albania. Actually, mm -hmm. I've been here for about seventeen years now. 
So I moved when I was a teenager yeah. with my family. My immediate family is also here in New Zealand. My parents, my brother. Hmm. And um, what's Albania like? Is that how you say it? Yes, yeah. it's uh, it's lovely Mediterranean country, and it's located just above Greece. Hmm. So think of a similar coastline okay. with the water on one side on the east of it, on the sorry west of it, and then as you go further east. You have all terrain, really. You start from the sea, fields, mountains, skiing. You can do everything in one day. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get to something productive. This is interesting to people. So I went to Athens, it sucks. So I hope it's better than that. But um, So Albania, has there ever been like, you know, like is it a chill country? Is it first world, third world? Is it like, you know, a, I, my geography sucks. So I'm assuming some listeners might be like, you know, I've heard of it. I know there's a good rapper from there. I would say, and hopefully any Albanians listening will forgive me if I get it wrong, but I'd say second world coming up on first. Ooh, watch out. Up and coming. Up and coming. Yep. And what, what's it like there? Like, what, what is it similar culture, different culture? Have you saw drawn, like you can't do sweeping generalizations as such, but do you see a difference when you come here compared to there? I think, the nature of the location of the country itself being in Europe and neighboring countries, the lifestyle is busier than in New Zealand, so it's a bit maybe more dynamic. Hmm. New Zealand, I find a bit more laid back lifestyle, very good for raising children and that kind of thing. Albania is more fast paced. I think in general, uh, but the people are lovely and hospitality, I would say, is one thing that we hold dear as our pride and joy. We do welcome people hmm. from all over the world nice. and treat them like they're our home at, and like they're our brothers and sisters. So in summary, New Zealand's boring. That's what I heard. It's less <laughs> dynamic. It? Summer in New Zealand. No, I wouldn't say that. There's lots of spots that it's all happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to places like Tauranga and Mamanganui yeah. that I found A few people in flip-flops walking the streets. Yep. There's <laughs> lots going on. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I love New Zealand. Uh, okay, so Albania is 17. So, well, you're a teenager. You've been here 17 years. Why did they leave and what were your parents doing? Like, What, what were their jobs? So they had their own business back home, uh, clothing business, a clothing store. Hmm. And we moved here. My uncle had been living here for about 10 years at that point. And so he told us how great New Zealand is. Um, Really great lifestyle, like I mentioned before, and um, great opportunity in terms of studying Hmm. for myself and my brother. And I was getting close to university age at that point so we decided to move here for a better lifestyle was your english on point when you came i'd been studying english for a long time about 12 years before i moved here wow so i could understand it took me a little bit to be comfortable speaking it in fact i remember coming here on the plane from Singapore to Auckland and we were going through customs and we'd brought, you know, uplifting our life. We'd brought some pots and pans in the luggage with us 
And uh, the guy asked me, you know, what's this metal that you've got in your suitcase there? For the life of me, I could not remember the word frying pan. (laughs) So I just kept... (laughs) Ceasing bomb by accident, yeah. Just like your studies. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, 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 you secretly imported some frying pans. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> secretly but, yeah. what? <laughs> it sounds a bit dodgy if you ask me I know about you Albanians no, I don't really know anything okay so you come here your English is alright your frying pan game's not the best not the best so yeah. I just was able to gesture somehow the motion of frying something and he was able to understand what I meant <laughs> it's universal I, I, met a, I met a girl in Germany and, I, and her parents didn't speak any English and I stayed at her house over Christmas and only a German I knew was like horrible things to say to anyone because that's what you learn when you travel. But we found a way <laughs> using frying pan language. Yeah, sign yeah. language is it's, it's essential. Very essential. I swear to God, like I won't know the language, but I'll get what they're saying. You know what I mean? They're like gobbledygook to me and I'm just, well, that's like, that could might sound bad if I say people's language is gobbledygook, but they're, they're, <laughs> it's hard to understand them, yeah, but I can understand them. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, you yeah. get it. You get it. Absolutely. These untraveled people are judging me right now. Um. <laughs> okay, so you come here, uni. What did you study? So I came here and I went through a few different degrees at the time because I found that I wanted to go into the workforce more. So I was not quite finding myself at the time. I did a bit of health science, a bit of biochemistry. Hmm. What was the first job you got? The first job that I got here in New Zealand. Yeah, or Albania. It was actually here in New Zealand that I got my first proper job uh, when I was 17 and I was working as a checkout girl. Oh, me too. <laughs> checkout Chicks Unite. Yeah. You call it that as well? Yeah. I, I haven't gotten in trouble for saying that yet. We had a Checkout Operator of the Year competition. Yeah, we, yeah, we did too. Did you, did you qualify? I, I have a couple of certificates oh. yeah, as a Supervisor of the Year. And check out operator. Wow, of the supervisor year. of the year. I never made supervisor. I don't know why, you know, bureaucracy. But bureaucracy, man, I yeah, tell you. Yeah, no, it's fucked. Legit. Otherwise, I might still be there if they treat me right. You know, I could be doing their marketing, but it no. It could be. Yeah. They're lost. <laughs> Clive's going to hate me for this. Um, I think it's going well, firstly. <laughs> So probably it's going do... great because I know we're going to come back around to national capital. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're confident there. Um, so first job, check out, check. Um, you probably had the odd fry pan come through and you were ready for that. You knew what I was, it was. I, was ready. I knew it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd had some practice. I even knew what a pot was at that point. You made it. It was yeah. just uh, downhill after that. <laughs> Uh, this is value I swear to god um okay so check out check and then um biochemistry was mm-hmm. that one yep. do you remember anything from that that <laughs> what did you learn I mean I remember dissecting a rat yeah I one did that point. I did that yeah. yeah and I've got I've got the picture to prove it because wow yeah what is what is the brain of the cell Oh, that is the mitochondria, isn't it? No, that's oh, that's the, the energy. House. That's the powerhouse. Yeah, the nucleus is the, yeah. It's all happening. It's all happening. <laughs> I, I sort of, I didn't know what I was doing, so I just sort of did everything. And it turned out to be mostly veterinary science. 
but then I, you know, started playing video games till nine in the morning and then only going to lectures at 5 p.m., like labs and just chopping up rats and then going home again. And then the exams came and I just didn't turn up. So that was a bit of a waste of money. So yours is better, obviously, maybe. I'm a little better. I mean, I guess I didn't waste quite as much money because I... <laughs> but probably much the same. Because oh, really? But, yeah, you know, yeah. you came here for the education. You just wasted the opportunity. Did you start getting judged by your parents? Being like, oh, no, you're just coasting. We came all this way, sold our clothes, business, just so you could talk about fry pans. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough because, obviously, that was not the plan. Um, the plan was for me to go to university and do something earlier on. Mm. Um, but... They came around. They came around. I think yeah. that's an important discussion. So I think this will add value. So far, it's been off the charts value. This will just be something that's a little bit in comparison. Is the expectation parents put in their children to study um, and not necessarily do something they like, but what will help them live a secure and safe life, but unhappy. So, and, and that's a characteristic that's assigned to especially people that, you know, immigrate here. You know, there's an expectation they've made sacrifices so you could have good education and good life and that's sort of a common channel to achieve that mm-hmm. so what would your advice be to someone that might be listening now that's in a degree has that expectation of the parents they don't really like it like how do they get through it or what should they think about or should they just suck it up and finish it <laughs> i'm not sure i'm the best person to give that sort of advice because I also have some regrets of my own in the sense that I'm very happy where I am now and I am happy with my journey, but also I I do wish that I had found what I wanted to do sooner and maybe sticking with university at the time, um, I would have been able to find it sooner perhaps. Mm. Um, it would have given me the... Um, discipline that I needed to to stick it out and so and everyone's situation is different so depends on your relationship with your parents as well I would I'm lucky that um, despite everything my parents support me and are happy with my life choices they've come Mm. around at the end as Mm. well and not that there was ever any rift but it is hard for things to go not according to plan they always want the best for their children and so i think communication would be to discuss with your parents what you really want to do and i think if you're really passionate about this change that you think we might need to take in your life i think parents will listen and come around and and um, support you um, because they can see that you're really passionate about this thing. So I think it's important the, to build that trust um, in this new uh, path that you're choosing for yourself because at the end of the day, parents just want the best for you. It's not like they're holding you back because they don't want the best for you. They're just maybe scared that um, this new path is not going to work out quite as well as the original path so so long as that trust can be built and 
they can also be reassured that this is that you're passionate about this you'll have their support no matter what nice so get better parents and stick it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah good i heard that too did you hear that everyone No, but I, yeah, I think yeah, communication is important, and and yeah, you're right. You talked on instead of being angry at your parents and be like, oh, why are you putting this pressure on me? Yada yada yada. Meanwhile, they're living at home and you know relying on their parents, but but actually having a clear channel to communicate. Hey, I'm passionate about this. I'm dedicated. I know you're fearful. I understand your feelings. Um, this is what I'm doing. I just would. I'm not happy, and I I would I don't want to be unhappy anymore. So my my way of stretch just to interrupt whatever flow you're gonna say, my my plan was, you know, I paid for the unit myself, so chill from the <laughs> checkout check stuff, and then and then just um traveled and just did everything you shouldn't do, and then worked it out. Rick, that that sucks. <laughs> so don't you know it's fun, but it's unfulfilling. People also, I guess, need to make their own mistakes and learn yeah. their own way, just like you and I did. Um, and Speak for yourself. The I make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Just parents. like I did, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. That's good. <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, I think uh, parents just want the best for you. So whatever happens, so long as you keep that line of communication open, mm. things will work out. Cool. Someone might be inspired by that, believe it or not. Yeah. I'm glad. Some people might be listening like, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, is this going to be about finance soon? And just, I have to push this button every 30 minutes. I should have told you before. Um, So, okay. You do this degree. You have clear trust and communication with your parents. Eventually, they come around. How did you suddenly decide finance, you know? It's not the most... You love it. I mean, not so much, but what... what, what? <laughs> I just like people. Money's just part of it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, where'd that come from? I decided to go back to uni and finish a degree that I wanted to do. And I discussed whether it was going to be management or finance at the time before making a decision on my major. Uh, I had a chat with my family, my fiance, my brother, um, my parents, people I knew. And... We have this expression in Albania, you ask a hundred people and you do what you want at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I might move there. Sounds like me. <laughs> and it's because it gives you that, that counsel that it broadens your horizons and it also in a way tests your resolve. Is this the thing you want to do or not? Mm. And I saw finance as the clear pathway it started off with uh, my family, my parents, myself setting up for retirement um, and, and creating a good lifestyle for, for us, uh, for myself, my fiance, uh, our f- future children. And then once I got into it, I just really enjoyed mm. to be able to do this thing now for other people. Um, the access that I have to the knowledge and information. It's just bursting out. Yeah, you you're know? smiling. <laughs> yeah, you must be something, something wrong with you. <laughs> it's good you exist, you know. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. what a compliment. 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> this finance degree, what like what's what's the degree actually like? What do they teach you? I swear to God, you could learn finance in three months, and then like what else is there? But I've, like that's just me. <laughs> well, what do they teach you in this degree? Is it is it like the level five or is it, it is, like it is very similar actually? Oh, yeah, okay. oh, there's a lot of overlap. Okay. In information, the level five just goes a bit further into the regulations and you know the things that you need to do to yeah. comply mm-hmm. um, just yeah no yeah it's yeah. my favorite um, one <laughs> everyone's favorite part the compliance part yeah. <laughs> but it's necessary and um i had a chat with a colleague actually a couple of weeks ago and we were trying to find something that makes the compliance side of things a bit more appealing and we thought of it as you know as an armor rather than an anchor Mm. because it um, gives you the ability to be fully transparent with your services. And anyway, we're getting besides the point, the um, information that you're learning on your level five and at uni, there there's a lot of overlap. Um, and level five goes into a bit, bit further into that specific um, uni with finance you can take lots of different paths you know you I've become a financial advisor but you could become an analyst you could become um, a portfolio manager at some point hmm. and go that way um, how you long could is work it for a bank how long how long's the degree three years or three years that's yes. mad eh? I swear to god it's three months <laughs> it feels like that sometimes <laughs> like I can't I like you know I I skimmed it you know, just to pass, I was like, oh, I get the gist. And then just, it was multi-choice questions for my one. Yours is probably a bit more challenging. <laughs> so, I mean. Yeah, we and, had assignments and multi-choice. Yeah, what was an assignment you did? Um, Retained a lot, I can tell. For? Our finance, just an assignment. The, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, for example, uh, I remember one particular one where we assessed the Comvita uh, honey-making company oh, yeah. and assessed uh, its situation whether it would 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 be a good opportunity for people to invest in it or not going forward and doing hmm. projections about what the company would look like going forward five years ten years from now uh, what is its current situation was what is its past history hmm. and we won't tell you to recommend that I'm not going to give a recommendation yeah, or smart. not. I'm just remembering. Were you right, that... though? Were you right? I don't think that was the point necessarily. <laughs> What's the point of an assignment if you can't fucking get it right? Yeah. I think the point was just to test us whether we have the tools necessary to compile these reports. Yeah. Teach us how to compile the reports for the real life situation. Push a button, AI does it. You just go to Yahoo Finance. Your whole thing was a waste of time. The, um, <laughs> Thousands of dollars down the drain. Why didn't you tell me this yeah, before? Yeah, own the market. Next. <laughs> like, I get it. You know, for, And for anyone listening, like a level five is essentially um, kind of like, I don't know, uh, like a polytechnic course that you can do. You can smash out a course and become an advisor. Maybe you do it in six months if you're focused. Maybe less if you're actually focused. Yeah. To be fair, when I first started, I didn't see myself becoming an advisor. Hmm. I knew I wanted to get into finance. And so I started the business degree, chose my major, 
halfway through my first year, as you do. Hmm. And then it was only when I came across National Capital when I was doing my internship that I saw the opportunity to become a financial advisor. I really enjoy talking with people. Um, I enjoy just being able to share this knowledge of finance that I have gathered and National Capital offers me that opportunity because we are able to get in touch with so many people and and um, service and give recommendations much faster than a typical financial advisor and that's what allows us to really be able to reach to have this far this reach out there and to I'm just letting you talk <laughs> <laughs> this isn't sponsored by National Capital by the way it might sound like it um <laughs> what was it like when you came to National so internship are you free labor initially with interns Yes. Oh, sweet. So I could hit up these people wasting years of their life to get a degree they could learn in three months and be like, yeah, hey, you want to work here? Um, <laughs> good to know. No offense. Like maybe there is more to finance. I, you know, I need to do my research. Um, You're a financial <laughs> advisor yourself. You know what there is to it. Yeah. I, if I taught someone two weeks, I reckon, you get the gist. Like if we're doing eight-hour days, two weeks, because, you know, the, the fundamentals, you know, about liquidity, having – make sure you own something, there's a market where you can sell for it. Um, uh, it's tax deductible, so it's tax efficient. Um, make sure that it's diversified because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, so we want to own the market and spread it across international, national, and own certain types of asset classes. And then make sure you get your structure, the right provider – and the strategy in terms of insurance to protect you. It sounds like a no-brainer. It? <laughs> <laughs> the hard part is we giving a fuck, <laughs> being interested. Um, <laughs> I just like, the way I see myself is that someone wants something in life, I just create a roadmap to get there. Yeah, and it's wonderful, right? That's That's what you're here for. That's what I'm here for is to create. There's no magic formula. You just... Do your research, and then you pick the right place for you. But that's that's why we're here as well, because not everyone has the same passion to do that research or the time. You know, someone might rather spend time with their family, with their children, yeah, me. W- have a hobby that's not finance, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're talking to me. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so leave it. To someone that you trust, that you know are going to do a good job, and who wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. I think whether it's finance, whether it's any component of your life, you should only be doing the things you're passionate about and that you're good at. So outsource the rest. That's why business owners burn out as they try and do everything. But I think the most important thing as a business owner is to realize that um, you're not the right person for the job outsource it to an intern for free so <laughs> what was that like when you first came in national capital how long have you been there i've been there for about a year and a half now, a year and a just half over a year and a half so when you first came in was it like you know boxes like amazon and there was like a painted sign <laughs> we've got a very nice office actually oh, okay. well, watch <laughs> we are lucky to be in the position to have a nice office because being a young company and in a sort of startup situation 
but also having a parent company with the resources of a bigger company it puts us in the situation where uh, we can uh, work towards our goal in a more advantaged situation yeah i guess you would put it fair leverage so, so yeah, yeah. Go. So we do have offices as well. You've got an office. <laughs> long story short, as an office. See, that's why you wasted three years in your finance degree because you take too long. Now, um, so you're in. <laughs> How's it grown since you've been there? Like, what was it? Do you remember like the funds under management when you started? Has it now? Yeah, I remember when I started. We were somewhere around thirty million of funds under management. Now, now we've gone above seventy. Oof. What in a year? That's mad, though. Yeah. Eh? Really? Yeah, and how many advisors when you first started? Like excluding the big company, just like working on national capital. Two. Two. Yes. Wow. Yep. It was the director himself. And <laughs> yeah, old Clivey. Watch that episode, by the way. <laughs> Learn about his cockroach game. If you're listening, Clive, I am talking about national capital. <laughs> we just—I've talked about it in the podcast a lot—a mastermind group where we meet and we just roast each other and support each other to be better, and we're all competitors, so it makes no <laughs> sense. But that's why I'm just sort of fucking with them. Um, but it is an amazing company. I think there's a real need for it. I hope it's the one that rises to the top, um, because essentially there's a finance is inaccessible to a lot of people like they don't necessarily want to know or if they do know they gravitate towards the greed or the fear so they're missing out on those opportunities and then advisors can't support the masses because it's cost ineffective whereas right. he's got a model that can because it's a digital advice platform so to help i it takes maybe an advisor two to three hours to do a plan how long does it take national capital to do a financial plan it takes us 0 0.8 seconds. Yeah, you fucks, eh? That's so true. You've got to be fearful of AI. So what what um, what um, are common financial challenges you hear? Because you, you, you're – I think you're probably closer to like what it's actually um, like out there because the average advisor only getting a few appointments a month or whatever, whereas you're just like fucking endlessly on the phone. That's true. I, there's days where I can easily have 10, 15 calls a day. Yeah, mad. And booked calls as well. Booked calls, yes. That's mad. So, what do you see as common misunderstandings about investing or about finance that you see? One thing that stands out to me is that a lot of people don't know that they can be in more than one KiwiSaver fund with mm. their provider. And so, if they're not ready for one particular strategy or for a certain level of ups and downs that they're going to see in their balance, it could there and it, they could have something in the middle as some type of split they people don't realize that that's a possibility um and the other one that i notice a lot is that people tend to be in a fund that's more conservative than they need to be in so they're leaving a lot of money on the table purely for the fact that they're not in the right fund for them um, mm. someone who's in their 30s or even as you get closer to retirement, people tend to lean towards a conservative fund. But we have to keep in mind that now people are not just living to their 60s or 70s anymore. People are living another 30 years after retirement and we have to make the money last longer. And also it gives you that timeline where you can be in something more 
growth oriented. Yeah. Well, there's a few pieces to that. There's behavioral psych, um, finance, behavioral finance, psychology finance, something like that, where if you have different pockets of your investment in different avenues, so one's a little less volatile, but it's going to be for your income, and one's more volatile um, for the long term to protect the purchasing power of your money. That's right. So you've got those two things, and it's actually a lot easier for people to process the ups and downs having that split. And you're right, I don't think people are aware of that. But what might you say when someone's like, oh, yeah, but risk, I know of this person during the finance company collapse in New Zealand, they lost all their money, or the global financial crisis, like, isn't isn't a higher growth more risky? What do you say? A high you get growth, that a lot, Petra. I do get that <laughs> a lot, yes. And there's a difference between risk and volatility, so... A high growth fund or an aggressive fund is not necessarily going to be riskier than a balanced or a conservative fund because the funds that we research and recommend, particularly with KiwiSaver, because I speak KiwiSaver because that's what we research, that's where my expertise lies, we look into it deeply that we know that they're well diversified, uh, like you mentioned before, not just across industries but geographically across sectors of the industry across different markets in the world and so they're invested in hundreds of companies around the world for you to be actually losing your money it would mean majority or all of these companies would go bankrupt at the same time and for that to happen we're talking some kind of apocalyptic scenario where we're eating tins of beans in a bunker <laughs> somewhere you say that so too. hopefully <laughs> interesting very unlikely yeah and so but what is different is this volatility is these ups and downs an aggressive fund will have anywhere between sort of 93 and 99% invested in the stock market so it will go up and down in line with the stock market much more than a conservative fund, which will have only about 20% invested in the stock market. So these differences will dictate how much your KiwiSaver balance is going to oscillate in good times and bad times. Yeah. And when you've got time on your side, you don't need the money for the short term. There is no reason why you can't be in a more growth oriented a bit more aggressive fund and we're all about finding that sweet spot between you know where people can sleep at night knowing what's going to happen <laughs> to their money and making more money yeah i just tell them don't worry about sleep <laughs> we're going to make you as much money as you can over the long term um all right so what about specific scenarios so the most common way um with KiwiSaver, you got your first home you've got kids you can set them up for free a lot of the time I don't know if it's all the providers, but some of them. A, a big portion of them will offer free free setup for the kids. And they won't have to pay any fees until they turn 18. You can tell you've done 10 to 15 courses. Just <laughs> the um, financial advice is selling, to be honest. It's both. Like It's solving a problem in a meaningful way, which is great sales. If it's not great sales, then you're just being sleazy, full of shit. Um, and people but, can tell. Yeah. People. Well, they haven't caught me out yet. <laughs> That's because no matter what you say, you care. <laughs> yeah, true. Good. Well said. Um, so I didn't have to admit that. but So, okay, these different <laughs> scenarios. You got kids. 
you've got first home you've got retirement there are other things permanently migrating there are other things like get sick financial hardship but Mm -hmm. what should people be mindful of in these different scenarios to maximize the opportunity i think one thing to be aware is the time that you've got on your side Uh, that could either work in your favor or not so the time that you've got on your side will generally alongside your own tolerance as well to these ups and downs will dictate how much uh, you can how how much risk or volatility how much volatility you can take on so if your goal if you've got a short-term goal and you're looking to purchase a house in the next year or two um, and you know this isn't advice please don't just go and do what they (laughs) say right now because this is your situation and do um, every every situation will be different, nice. so Compliance. please You've got do your armor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please do seek advice. But generally, as you're getting closer to your goal to withdrawing money, you want to eliminate as much volatility as possible because you don't want to risk um, having to access the money in a time of market correction where the market has dropped, and you are needing the money. And that way you're going to realize your any losses that might have occurred at that point and it drops once you take the money out. There's no chance of uh, regaining it from that original balance. So you want to avoid situations like this and therefore it's important to year in, year out, keep keep up with your KiwiSaver. Um, that's that's what national capital does after all is year in year out we will (laughs) we will um (laughs) i mean i'm passionate what can i say (laughs) yeah nice that's good national capital.co.nz use my affiliate link down below (laughs) um so so it's important it's just important it's good practice to see where you're at and keep track of how close or how far you are to your goal so you can take any measures necessary to avoid any situations that will put put you back. So on that, there's probably going to be a lot of people worried because KiwiSaver, give or take, around about 2007 it was started. Mm-hmm. Haven't really had much collapses apart from COVID where it went down and up suddenly. And they're looking at it and they're like, oh, it's down, what the hell? So why... Are there structures in place that, let's say, the provider goes bankrupt that protects them? And why why is it not resulting in a loss of money? Like, why is it not necessarily a concern? Because the money is actually not held with the providers themselves. So the money is held in trust funds outside of the provider's reach. It's not like they're... Um, keeping the money in their pockets or in their bank accounts. And once they go bankrupt, the money is lost. The money is actually held back. And if the provider, for whatever reason, goes bankrupt, the money is held back. And it's a, it's a government-run scheme, so it's more heavily regulated than most managed funds out there. A KiwiSaver is another managed fund, but it is heavily regulated because it is people's retirement money and alongside with first home and so on. But um, it means that this extra level of regulation, has it creates that safety net for people to be incentivized 
to save for their retirement and to trust their providers as well and to trust that they're going to be okay going into this scheme is going to be they're going to be helping themselves to bridge that gap that there might exist between what they need for retirement and what NZ Super can give them. Fair, well said. And pretending like I know finance is a custodial trustee, I believe, as a separate right. entity. <laughs> that's the one. Paid attention at school. Um, yeah, so that, that's an important consideration is like suddenly they've heard of the stories where like this, you know, my business associate, Greg, was one of the first ones to bring in a certain structure like that in the 80s where the finance, he was in the corporate fraud unit and um, he right. saw a lot of people losing money and he found that it's better to have the financial advisor have nothing to do with it. So he created a separate entity, um, a custodial trustee that he got from the Aussies, put it over here, started doing it. So what actually is in KiwiSaver? Because people see these quarterly reports and they're saying, oh, fixed interest and this gobbledygook about um, shares and listed property and what does all that mean? So... The KiwiSaver funds will have a certain amount of shares in them, so shares from companies in the stock market. That's what is considered your growth assets. Um, and part of it, depending on the funds, they'll have different percentages. The other part of it will be invested in things like term deposits um, or government bonds, companies that pay dividends. So you want... Um, that will be your income assets. That's things that are a surefire way they're going to pay an exact amount every month to your KiwiSaver and that's coming through to you. Um, and the rest of it, it's going to be oscillating because the, because the stock market oscillates and they don't have a fixed uh, return coming. So that's why they're called growth assets because they're constantly growing over the long term. Um, when you look at it from a bird's eye view and you're looking at a graph from the last 10 or 15 years or even 150 years for as long as we've had a stock market, um, yes, it's up and down. There's that zigzagging curve going, but it actually always goes on that upward trajectory when you look at it from a big picture point of view i'm taking notes on how to explain stuff hey, I've never <laughs> government bonds in there. and if you're looking at the the report so every every um qvsave provider has to publicly list on their website a quarterly report quarterly fund update that's right um and then on there you'll see those different categories so the cash and cash equivalents they're called similar to what you're saying term deposit and then the bonds also known as fixed interest which is just a loan agreement um, you get a percentage of it and then you can on-sell it. Um, so just on that, and then property and sh um, shares or called equities. With property, often you look for something called a listed property because it's kind of like if you're trying to sell um, a house on an island and there's no one needed to buy it, what's it worth? So with listed property, right. it's on an exchange and there's an agreed value. But anyways, I, I, you know all this, but I'm just saying if I'm listening. No, no, it's great. I, I mean, I... You're going to steal it back, are you? <laughs> <laughs> how can we? Well, that's the whole game. I also love to hear how other people, you know, explain it yeah. and how they understand it. Well, this is the one I use for comparing it to direct investments and to um, like diversification and having a managed fund. As you think about, you're trying to get across a cliff and you're trying to achieve the goal, which is on the other side. And there's two ways you can get there. You can go on a rubber band or you can go on a bridge. 
<laughs> so a rubber band is direct equity. So it can go, you're invested in one company and it could go down and snap and you fall to your death or it launch up and you get there quicker, but we don't know. With a bridge, I'm sure it moves a little bit, but you're still going to get to your destination. So this is what I use. I don't know if it's good. I like Which that. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what's another way you explain things? Just to add more value to the listeners, in actual fact, just to me. But um, whether it's that or something else, like your go-to. I have a metaphor that oh, yeah. I use when it comes to explaining um, the current market situation. Why hmm. people? Why it's a good idea when you're set up with a good provider you know you you built that trust you're good to go why it is a good idea to either stay in that growth fund that you're in in times like this or maybe even buy a bit more if you've got the funds available um, because the the metaphor i use is um think of it as the stock market as the best washing machine or the best oh, laptop yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and it's on sale at the moment okay. you've wanted this laptop for ages yeah. and it's finally on sale so for the same amount of money now you don't just buy one but you can buy one and a half huh. not that you would buy one and a half laptops <laughs> but for the purpose of this metaphor yeah. let's assume you would um, and unlike the laptop the market is always appreciating because i mentioned before the curve is always going upwards mm. um, and that goes a bit back on the whole humans are always humans are innovators we're always looking for better ways to live our lives yeah and the market is driven by people there's people behind it I like it so we're always gonna be okay there's gonna be times of oscillation there's going to be times of correction there's going to be times of hardship um, but there's always going to be something someone driving it forward and the adjusting period hard as it is it's also an opportunity that's why you get paid more that's why you have the higher returns in the growth oriented funds you're getting paid for the headache of going through that volatility for holding that faith if you will that mm. things are going to be fine I like it. Every time you go on your sales pitch, you get more passionate. <laughs> it's obviously, it's just good financial advice. I use cans of tuna, same analogy. I mean, washing machines and laptops are better. No one actually wants cans of tuna. I eat it pretty every day. So I like tomato and basil, sea lord, get some of that stuff. Yeah, I, um, I'm not a big fan, but my fiance and my cat love them. Well, he's a legend. I like that. Um, it's linking me to a cat. That's fucked. Um, <laughs> I love my cat. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take that. Um, so just to be devil's advocate and be a fear mongerer, um, some providers aren't good. I'm not going to label them because I got told off last time I did that. <laughs> I was like, don't get this one. Um, but they're, they're, they're fundamentally investing it wrong. So they're investing in a few companies and they're not diversified in the way we talked about. So there is a risk that, you know, the provider could go under and the whole point, well, not the provider as such, but the investments that they pick are wrong. In terms of the fundamentals of investing, using those four asset classes, um, cash, bonds, property and shares that we mentioned, and diversifying it, you're, you're protected. The custodial trustee that we talked about, protected. Mm -hmm. Bad investment, not protected. So I think the whole differentiator between being successfully successful financially 
is the two things is picking the right fund, like you're saying, the asset allocation, more shares, yada, 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 and the right provider. Mm-hmm. That's so right. Just to do a little plug for National Capital, you know, do they solve that problem or what are you guys doing in 0.8 seconds? It's so valuable. So we've got the whole investment selection team behind that recommendation. So we've got people that are looking beyond past returns and fees when we choose and recommend providers. If you are just looking at that, you don't need us. You can just do that yourself online. So we're looking at what are their investment strategies? How do they choose these companies? Who are the people that are managing your money? What is their expertise? What is their success rate? Um, We're looking at documents like their statement of investment policies and objectives to see what their values are and how these values align with the values of our clients. And that's how we can mix and match the best provider for the right type of strategy because we're looking at the providers and the funds that they've got out there. Um, how, what is the best fund? What is the, um, what is the best diversified fund that will suit this particular strategy that this client of mine needs? Mm. Um, and so making sure that we have researched in depth where they're investing your money, that's how we can then confidently recommend a certain type of fund that we believe is going to do well in the future as well. Nice. You know, I encourage this really, essentially. But the, yeah, I rate, you know, as I say, I, I rate Clive in terms of his value set. I know, I don't know if he wants me to say, but essentially, you know, the back end software costs like, you know, over a hundred grand just to build it, to be able to do a plan in 0.8 seconds. And he, he created it because he was a power planner. He's like, fuck this <laughs> using his brains. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So it, it is incredible. Um, and people might be thinking, okay, what well, cost him a hundred odd grand to make this software? And this isn't, you know, I essentially just advocate for people I believe in. Um, and you know, you're one of the advisors. So We've had ongoing conversations and you seem like Thank you're a good you. person from what I <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, I am. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, humble as well. So what, what does it cost then? What's the catch? So there is no catch, but of course we've got to make money. It, yeah. it, does, it doesn't cost the investor anything because we are currently working with 12 different providers. There's about 28 or so out there. And the providers that we work with, the fees that they're charging people were designed to include advice. And so they outsource that advice side to us. And we get paid the same by everyone. So there's no incentive to recommend one over the other. And that's how we can actually just go and choose and confidently recommend, okay, this is the right type of fund for you that you need based on these requirements that you have this is the bridge that you need to gap with your kiwi saver this is the fund that's going to bridge that gap for you mm. nice yeah so essentially the provider pays and the that's client right. doesn't and it's the same what is it point two? yes point two five actually oh that's steep that's steep but you know the provider pays it so yes well, yeah, the, or it's incorporated in the fees. It's, it's, it's incorporated in the fees. So the client goes to the provider. 
they're paying, let's say, 1.1% in fees per year for that particular fund. 0.25 would come to national capital. 0.75 would stay with the provider. Yeah. And now we give the advice ahead first. So we deliver the advice. If the client decides to implement that advice, that's when we get paid for us to continue to service their account, give them the annual reviews, give them the performance updates, provide that ongoing support, and make sure that they continue to be in the right fund and have the right strategy for every particular phase of their life or financial situation. Mm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that <clears throat> excuse me, that the same provider will continue to be the best provider for them year in, year out. Yeah. And we have no qualms about saying, okay, this provider or this particular fund is no longer suitable for you. You need this fund. And this provider no longer serves your purpose because they don't have the fund you need, so you need to move here. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, we're not stacking the sales pitch, but essentially it's the most scalable way I can see where people can get the help they need and his goal is to reach a million, um, help a million Kiwis become financially secure. So, you know, 70 odd million's good. We'll get going some more so people can reach out for that. On another thing, you're telling me off here about the savings gap. And I didn't actually know about it until you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is a real issue in terms of savings gap from, um, starting from working life and then it trend it's we've seen research has shown that it translates into retirement as well <coughs> excuse me uh, part of it is caused by the actual gender pay gap part of it because women will take time off to have children or look after the family home different situations they take a break from their career and then obviously when there's no income going in, there's no KiwiSaver contributions either and that translates into not quite the same standard of living and yeah. not quite the same payout in retirement for women as it does for men. What What's the gap? We've got to get a sound bite. The, the, so, you know, in terms of... In, Kiwi saver balances or whatever number you have. So, how does a man's Kiwi saver balance compared to a woman's one in general? If all factors are the same, all factors being the same. So, a woman in her forties and a man in his forties, the woman will have anywhere between sort of seventeen and twenty-seven in their Kiwi saver. A man generally will have thirty-eight and above. Yeah, in their Kiwi saver balance. All other things being equal, most other things being equal, most. perhaps maybe the gender pay gap <laughs> itself yeah. will um, contribute, huh? contribute to it. Cool. I mean, the biggest thing is you, you know one there's a f one your 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 Kiwi saver is based on a portion of your income mostly. Some people do self-employed, and then the rate at which it increases will be determined as well. You imagine by if someone's taking time off work or if there's some sort of disparity in their income because um, of unfairness or inequity or because of occupation choice or inaccessibility to management roles. 
that gap's going to get huge. Women also generally seem to not be investing quite as much as men. Mm. Um, and so it's important for us in the industry and then hopefully beyond to make it more accessible for women, make it create an environment where they might feel comfortable sharing their finances, their financial plights. And that way we, once, once you talk about it, once it's out, out in the air, we can find a solution. Mm. Um, it's usually the either lack of knowledge, lack of confidence, um, maybe they're not um, at that stage of their life or finances where they saw themselves being. So maybe there's a little bit of um, embarrassment for that. But trust me, in the year and a half that I've been there, I've seen a lot and there is no need to be embarrassed. The better you talk about it, the sooner you yeah. you sort it out, the better you're set up because that's all that matters. Yeah, you don't want to be head in the sand. We, we had, you know, girls that invest? Yeah. Yes. We had Sim. We had her on the podcast. Oh, that's so cool. Way back when, before she made it. Oh, my God. I have to go back and uh, research that podcast yeah. now to see it, to hear it. I think it's 100 episodes ago. Okay. <laughs> that gives me a good ballpark to look <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, 187. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's her, her whole thing is when her experience when she came – to try and understand investing was it very very masculine and very un inaccessible there weren't really many um, women being represented in a way that made sense and and there's huge variation like i haven't met it like i can't speak on men you know like I, pff, I, a lot of men probably don't even think i'm a man you know i mean like i'm not very <laughs> but like there, there is there is either an inaccessibility in terms of the the, the gender pay gap in terms of you know investing or like um, men might you know go all in when and they can lose more money I, I saw like um I think it was Hatch not that I'd advocate for them but it's a good vehicle to invest but the investments they have aren't necessarily good um, that women are less likely to invest but make better decisions when they invest I have come across research that's says maybe just a slight more Hmm. in terms of returns not a huge amount but women when they do invest uh, do a little bit better because we tend to kind of maybe make less moves in terms of in times of market correction and stick to the goal and that Hmm. translates and translates and um better long-term returns it's a dangerous topic i think 67 percent of the audience on this podcast are male <laughs> so we're not trying to ostracize or alienate no exactly that's why i'm saying it's maybe just a smidge a don't small. worry nothing to worry about i'm sure you're a good investor dave don't worry about it there's one percent non-binary or 0.1 percent shout out to them too i don't know what their investment comparison is because i don't know if there's enough data but um <laughs> But we love you. Uh, Absolutely. And yeah. if you want financial advice, Ryan, that's what he's here for. So Yeah, nah, go to you. <laughs> nah, yeah, if you want advice, either or. Yours is a scale. If you want KiwiSaver advice and you don't want the advisor to be incentivized, the recommendation, and you want to feel in control, 
I think national capital was the go. Yeah. And I'm glad you touched point on that because our goal, one of our goals is to also empower people with the knowledge they need to be confident investors. And I have quite a few clients now coming back for their annual reviews and expressing how much more confident Mm. they feel now and how much more they know about investing after having gone through this journey of being a client for the last year and receiving educational material, I guess, or just um, access to information that leaves out a lot of the jargon. Yeah. And I think people really appreciate and enjoy that. Yeah, I think I think the biggest reasons from what I've seen anecdotally is why people don't get an advisor. They think they don't have enough money. They think it costs too much. They're afraid to deal with it. Like they're not in a, think they're in a position to do something. So they keep their head in the sand. And then they have a misconception of what investment actually is. And Greg, um, his big analogy is um, they're speculating and investing. A lot of people think investing's bad because they compare it to speculation, using the rubber band mm-hmm. to get across the cliff. <laughs> um, but this is investing. And you can take more of a risk with your income and pursuing your career, but just own the market. Just like, don't worry. Just invest, leave it alone. Don't worry about it. Gear it towards like my value to the clients isn't much like to be honest like they come in you might give amazing value but if they come in they they want a goal i'm like when's the goal due and they're like this time i was like do that and let's leave it okay and then we help them with everything else. <laughs> but that's value you've just given them a surefire yeah. plan of success How what much- changes their life like ba- like if they never came across you and i the, the outcome, like even Vanguard, which is one of the largest passive investing um, tools out there where you can go and index, they had uh, Advisor Alpha and they found that people would do better with an advisor because they'd stay on course, not because the advisor knows all those things, keeps them there. There's another study, Money and You, where they found that um, people would travel more, save more and have a higher return with an advisor. That's right. There's research that shows there's generally – People do generally 4% better in terms of returns having an advisor than not having an advisor. Yeah, and that's not because, you know, they're making big calls on investment. It's legitimately just picking the right fund for the time horizon and sticking to it. Yeah, exactly. Or the provider. Some providers are crap, as I say. You won't say that. (laughs) I'm not going to name them because I'm a learner. So how do they find you if they, um like, you know, I know you guys have this QSaver health check. Do you still have that? Have a look. That's right. We do. Okay. So like if someone's like it's sitting here, okay, you made a good spiel. You guys just did a sales pitch for 30 minutes. I got a little bit of value. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's my next steps to empower myself with my finances? Come through the National Capital website. So nationalcapital.co.nz. There's a big green button that says take our health check now that will give us enough information about your situation that we can provide a recommendation we'll speak on the phone together to discuss anything that might concern you about the recommendation or nail down the strategy and then we implement that Cool. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. So if anyone's bored, push that green button and play hard to get when Elmer's on the phone. Nah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Test the rejection handles. 
<laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me very much. <laughs>